Somebody who is forbidden under the prohibition of a nether to benefit from his friend. So let's say Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain. Ruvain cannot lend Shimon items and utensils because certainly that is considered to be benefiting him. But as well as that, Ruvain is also not allowed to borrow things from Shimon. And on a similar note, Leavenu, Ruven cannot lend Shimon money. And not only that, but Vlayovenu, he cannot borrow money from Shimon either. And on a similar note, Vlayimkarlai, Ruven cannot sell things to Shimon. Vlayikachmenu, and he cannot even buy things from Shimon. And the reason is, Midrabanon, we are concerned that if Ruven comes to borrow money from Shimon, he might come to lend money to Shimon. He'll do the opposite as well. And so as a decree midrabonon, we forbid either way, and so Reuben cannot borrow or lend, and he cannot buy or sell with Shimon. Okay, next part of the Mishnah, we have a scenario where Omar Loi, Reuben says to his friend Shimon, Hashileni Parasach, lend me your cow. I need a cow, I've got a field which I need to plow, so lend me your cow so I can do so. Omar Loi, Shimon replied to Reuben, Inopunuya, it's not available right now, you can't have it. And suddenly Reuven gets very angry, and Omar, Reuven said, I'm making a nether on my field against the benefit of plowing with this cow in my field forever. He gets angry, he says, you don't want to lend me your cow. I'm making a nether that I'm not going to use your cow ever again. Says Mishnah, If it was his general practice to plow the field himself, in that case, we interpret his statement, we interpret his neder as referring to himself. He's making a neder that I will never plow with this cow again. And so who also, he will be forbidden to do so. But anybody else, he could get a worker, for example, and they will be permitted to use that cow to plow the field. Because we understand that his neder was only made regarding himself plowing. But if his general practice was not to plow, he would anyway get workers in general, then he and anybody else would be forbidden to use that cow to plow the field, since the focus of the neder was more on this particular cow, saying that I'll never benefit from that cow at all, even if somebody else does the plowing. Mishnah Zayin, Hamudah Namechavira is somebody who is forbidden under the prohibition of a neder to benefit from his friend. And again, we're continuing with our example where Shimon is forbidden to benefit from Ruvain. But Shimon has nothing to eat. And Ruvain and Shimon are actually quite good friends. Or perhaps they're good friends after they made the neder, now they've made up. And Ruvain feels bad for Shimon and he wants to give him something to eat. But he can't because he's forbidden to benefit Shimon. Ruvain can go to a shopkeeper. And tell that shopkeeper, so-and-so, referring to Shimon, is forbidden to have any benefit from me, and I don't know what to do. And the point is, he's hinting to the shopkeeper that he would really want to give something to Shimon, but he can't. And he's hinting to the shopkeeper that the shopkeeper should pay and give things to Shimon. And Reuben will make sure that he doesn't lose out. So indeed, the shopkeeper is allowed to give food to Shimon. And that itself is not considered to be that Reuven is benefiting Shimon. Even though Reuven was the one who caused the shopkeeper to give him something, Reuven's involvement is very small, and that's not considered to be a benefit from Reuven. And then the shopkeeper can come to Reuven, Uvai will come, the Neutel Miser, and take payment from Reuven. Of course, he has no way of demanding payment. If, Sh- if Reuven refuses to pay him, then he doesn't need to pay him, because he only hinted to the shopkeeper to give things to Shimon. However, Reuven 
should, of course, because that was the understood agreement between them. And the point is, he is allowed to pay the shopkeeper, even though, no, technically, right now, the shopkeeper has given things to Shimon. So Shimon owes the shopkeeper something. He owes money for what he received. So by Ruben paying the shopkeeper, he's paying off Shimon's debt. Well, we already learned at the beginning of this Perek that Ruben is allowed to pay off the debts of Shimon because that's considered to be indirect benefit, which is permitted. All right, continues the Mishnah with a very similar example. Her base of Livnois. If Shimon had a house which he needed building, or a fence which he needed putting up, or a field which he needed to cut, to harvest. However, again, Shimon hasn't got enough money to do so. Ruben can go over to workers and tell them that Ish Ploini, so-and-so, referring to Shimon, is forbidden to benefit from me because of a neder. And I don't know what to do. Again, he's hinting to them that they should do the work which Shimon needs doing and that he will end up paying them and they won't lose out. And again, that is permitted. The workers are able to work for Shimon. And they can come and take their wages from Ruvain, who is allowed to give them the money because one is allowed to pay the debts off of Shimon since that is considered to be indirect benefit. If Ruven and Shimon were going on a path, they were going on a journey together, and they both have their own food, but then Shimon runs out of food first, and he hasn't got anything to eat. So Ruven wants to give him something to eat, but he can't because he's forbidden to benefit Shimon. So the mission is, the solution is that Ruven should give food to somebody else as a gift to him, and then Shimon, the other one, Mutobar would be permitted to benefit from that food because it would be considered that he is receiving it from that other person and not from Ruvain. I might have thought that this wouldn't work because it's clear that he is only giving the gift so that Shimon can then take food from him, which means that he might have not have full intention to give over the ownership of that food to this other person because he's only doing so so that it can go via him but ultimately to Shimon. So I might have thought that that ownership won't be transferred to the other person because he won't have sufficient intention for that. So the mission is telling us that no, that is not the case. And we do rely on him transferring the ownership fully. And so Shimon can then take the food from that other person. But what happens if if there is nobody else with them? So then he should place the food down onto a rock or a fence and declare these are now hefka, they are ownless for anybody who wants them. And then the hala, the other one, Shimon Eitel he can take that food and eat it, and it's not considered to be that he's benefiting from Ruvain, because it's no longer Ruvain's property. Even though we saw earlier on in the Perek regarding Shmita, that if somebody makes a neder and then the item leaves his ownership, it is still forbidden for that other person to benefit from the item. Over here it's different because we're discussing a case where it was specified in the neder, or it was at least implied in the neder, that the prohibition would only last for as long as the property belongs to him. He said, my property. And therefore, in that case, as soon as it no longer belongs to him, Shimon would be able to benefit from it. However, Rabbi Yaisi forbids this solution because he is concerned that since it's so obvious that he's only making it ownerless for Shimon, he might come to even saying that within his declaration so that only Shimon will take it and nobody else. Or because he knows that he's doing it only for Shimon, he might end up saying that it is Hefka for Shimon. And of course, there's no such thing as making it ownerless for one person, in which case it wouldn't become ownerless. And it would be as if he's just giving something straight to Shimon, which is, is of course, forbidden. And so because we are afraid that that will happen, 
Rabbi Yossi rules that it is forbidden to even make it Hefker and then for Shimon to take it from Hefker. Perik Hamish to Aleph. If we imagine that we have two different people, Reuven and Shimon, who together own a courtyard. In the times of the Mishnah, most of the houses were built such that they opened up into a courtyard which was shared between all of the owners of the houses which opened up into the courtyard. So let's imagine we have only two houses. In general, there will be more than two houses for each courtyard. But let's imagine there are two houses which open up into a courtyard. One is owned by Reuven, one is owned by Shimon, and the courtyard is jointly owned by both of them. Now, there are two different types of courtyards. One is a chotzer sheyeshbodin chalukah, and that means that either one of the partners, one of the owners of the courtyard, is able to turn around to the other one and force them to split the courtyard into two. Before they split it, so they both use it whenever they like, they both share the entire courtyard. But if it's chotzer sheyeshbodin chalukah, then one is able to turn around to the other one and demand that they split it in half. And that applies to any courtyard where once they would split it, it is large enough that each one will receive an area of 4 by 4 amas. If that's the case, then each one of them is able to force the other to split it instead of sharing the entire courtyard. On the other hand, if it is smaller than that, it's known as the Chotzer She'ein Bodin Chalukah, and one is not able to force the other one to split it. Now, our Mishnah is talking specifically about a Chotzer She'ein Bodin Chalukah, that there is no ability to force the other one to split it. So as long as it hasn't been split, we do not assume at all that it is going to be split. And we view it as literally shared property. And the question is, what exactly is the nature of this partnership? According to the Chachamim, we view it as being shared between both of them. And that doesn't change. It is constantly viewed as shared by both of them. That they both have a share in every part of the courtyard, 24-7. On the other hand, according to Rebilez ben Yaakov, as long as Ruven is using the courtyard, we view the courtyard as being totally 100% belonging to Ruven. On the other hand, when Shimon is using the courtyard, we view it as being owned totally by Shimon. And that Ruven has no ownership at all over that courtyard, as long as Shimon is using it. Now, how does that work? It's not as if every time one of them uses it, they have to do a whole sale and a transaction of ownership. In order to transfer ownership from one person to another, they need to do an act of acquisition. But certainly, we don't require them to do that every time they use the courtyard. So how does that work, that the ownership is constantly changing from one to the other? So this is based on a principle known as Breyer. Breyer is a very important principle. And in short, it refers to when somebody does a legal action whose exact details are not yet properly defined, but will be defined in the future. So the legal action is taken ha- is taking place now, and it is affecting something now. However, its exact details will only be defined late- at a later date. And therefore, according to this principle, says Rebbe originally when these two partners bought the courtyard, let's say from Levi, Each one really bought it only for himself, for the times that he will be using the courtyard. Now we don't yet know at that time when each one will use the courtyard, but based on what will happen in the future, based on the times that they will end up using the courtyard, that defines the original transfer of ownership that Levi gave over the courtyard to Ruvain for part of the time, and to Shimon for part of the time. And this is a very complicated concept. Just to explain slightly further, when Levi owned the courtyard, let's say he owned it by himself, so he has the ownership of the entire week for himself. 
meaning every week, every single day, forever, from now onwards and forever, he has the ownership of the courtyard for all of those days. Now, when he sells it to Reuven and Shimon, it's as if he sells to Reuven all of the ownership of the courtyard, which he has of all of the Mondays and the Wednesdays and the Fridays, let's say. All of those time periods which he has ownership of concerning that courtyard, he gives over to Reuven. Whereas the Sunday and the Tuesday and the Thursday and the Shabbos' ownership of the courtyard, which were in the ownership and domain of Levi, he gives that over to Shimon. It's just that at the time of the sale, it's not so simple that he gives over Monday, Wednesday and Friday. We don't yet know when Reuven will use it and when Shimon will use the courtyard. But based on what will happen in the future, based on their uses in the future, it will be defined that originally Levi gave over the ownership to Reuven of all of the times which Reuven will use it. And he gave over the ownership to Shimon of all of the times when Shimon will use it. And that is based on the principle of Breira. And that, that is how we can reach a situation where when Reuven is use, using it, it's considered to be totally his and not Shimon's at all. And the same vice versa. Whereas according to the Chachomim, we constantly view it as being shared by both of them, that both of them have a share in each part of the courtyard constantly. Says the Mishnah, Partners of a courtyard who each made a neder against the other one. So it's forbidden for Reuven to benefit from Shimon and for Shimon to benefit from Reuven. They are both forbidden to enter into the courtyard according to the Chachomim. Reason being that when Ruin enters the courtyard, he's entering into a courtyard which Shimon has a share in. So he's benefiting from Shimon. However, Abeliezer and Yaakov says, that's not true. If you think about it, when Ruin is using the courtyard, he's using only his own part of the courtyard. Because the entire courtyard is considered to be his at that time. And so Ruben can enter into his part of the courtyard, which means the entire courtyard when he is using it. And Shimon can enter into the courtyard because it's considered to be his when he is using it. However, they are both forbidden to set up a millstone or an oven in the courtyard or to grow chickens there. The reason being is that in a case where a courtyard is owned by two people, each one of them is able to demand and to prevent the other person from putting these things in the courtyard. They're reducing the amount of space available. And so in this case, if one of them does put those things there, and the other one does not prevent him doing so, so he has a right to prevent him from doing that, and he's not using that right. So it's considered to be that he is benefiting the other person, and therefore it will be forbidden. All right, the mission now brings another similar machlokas between the Chachomim and Rezim and Yaakov. If only one of them was forbidden to benefit from the other one. So let's say Shimon made a nether that he's not going to benefit from Ruvain. According to the Chachomim, Shimon is not able to enter into the courtyard, because even when he's using the courtyard, he's using a courtyard which Ruvain has a share in. However, Rezim Yaakov says, Shimon is able to tell Ruvain, I'm entering into my own courtyard, I'm not entering into your courtyard, because according to Rezim Yaakov, as long as he is using the courtyard, it is viewed as being totally his. However, the Mishnah adds that we are concerned in such a situation that Shimon is going to see Ruvain the whole time using the courtyard. Until today, when he made the nether, they were both using the courtyard when they liked. And now because of the nether, Shimon is not able to use the courtyard, but he sees every day his friend Ruvain constantly using the courtyard. And we're concerned that it will distress him and he will end up using the courtyard himself. 
He can't take it that only Reuven is using the courtyard, so he'll come to violate the neder. And so to prevent that happening, we force the person who made the neder, Shimon, to sell his portion in the courtyard.